Hello, New Birth Church. Man, what an amazing worship moment we just had together. Man, I'm so excited that you made it here to church online. We're about to get into the Word. We're about to go into Scripture and see what is the Word of God today. Before we get started, man, pull your Bibles out. Pull your notes out. Go ahead and actually share this with some people before we jump into the message. I'm excited because we are actually ending our walk sermon series. Man, it's been an amazing few weeks. Thank you for everyone who's been tuning in every single week and, and seeing this, this idea of that God wants to walk with us. Our week one was that Adam walked with God. We learned such amazing, amazing teaching. Week one, week two, we learned that Enoch walked with God. And today's title, today's sermon is wrapped around the life of Noah. You can go ahead and write this out of your notes. The title of today's sermon is that Noah walked with God. What's really interesting about the series that we mentioned week one um, is that early Christians, they never really considered themselves or named themselves Christians. This was a term that was actually given to them by people who viewed their life, right? And, and when you actually spoke to people who followed Jesus, what they would say was is that we are via Christus, which directly translates into we are following the way, which you and I know to be the way of Jesus. What's important about this series is that God is walking with man. That God's ultimate goal is to have relationship and intimacy with you and I, especially in the life of Noah and in this process that God gives to Noah. We see, man, we see some some interesting things happening in the life of Noah, but what we do know is that God is always faithful. Let's read together. Uh, the book of Genesis chapter 6 verse 9 if you could tune in uh, right where you're at open your Bible we're looking in Genesis we're looking at Noah to see how did Noah walk with God uh, what, what, what's going on and what can we look into this and say what can we pull out of this text to see how you and I can walk out our Christianity today Genesis chapter 6 verse 9 this is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, and he walked faithfully with God. Man, what a definition. We learned last week that the glory and the, and the legacy of Enoch wasn't anything special other than faithfulness. It was consistency. It was actually being a person who was predictable that, you know, no matter what season it was, no matter what day it was, that we, you and I are choosing to walk with God. We are not believers that check out of Christianity when we check out of church. We are not believers that, that we check out of believing in Jesus when things get hard. You and I, friends, we know this for sure, that the God that saved us is the God that walks with us. I love this definition of Noah, basically just, just describing him being blameless among the people of his time, walking faithfully with God. I want to give you an idea that we're pulling away from this. It's, it's this. You can write it down. God trusts those who walk with him. There's this, there's this, this amazing trust that begins to build up as God walks with you and I. We see in this verse that, that God is walking with Noah. And it's from this experience, it's from this lifestyle that God 
gives Noah the assignment to build something that has never been built, to do something that has never been done, expecting an event that has never happened before. Let's, let's, let's kind of dive into this a bit. You know, in the, in the current times, it had never rained before. It's not like Noah knew what was happening. It's not like Noah knew uh, what floods were and, and, and what rain was and what, and what this idea was of, of, of actually being on a boat and, and floating above what was once dry ground. This is not something that Noah is familiar with. But friends, you see, when you and I walk with God, he's going to build up this relationship with us. You and I are going to build intimacy with God. And what happens out of that is that God will begin to give you a task. He'd begin to ask you to do something. He'd begin to require something from you. He'd begin to call you and ask you to do something probably you've never even done before. Friends, that is a trust that I would like to gain from my Lord and Savior, that he is at such a relationship with me. He is at such an intimate level with me that he's not asking me to do things that I've seen done before. He's not asking me to do things that I've even done before myself. He is requiring me to do something that I haven't even seen before. Isn't it awesome that God trusts things like that to you and I? He calls us out. He calls us to dream. He calls us to believe for more. He calls us to have faith in the little, to see things with his eyes, to see things in his way with the eyes of faith, with the eyes of obedience. And and the truth is that God trusted Noah to build the ark. You see, verse 9 says they're walking together. And we see in Genesis chapter 7, verse 5, it says this, And Noah did according to all that the Lord commanded him. Genesis chapter 7, verse 5. And no one did according to all that the Lord commanded him. I love that verse because not only was Noah walking with God, Noah was given instruction from God. Noah was given an invitation to do something he's never done before, to be a part of something he's never seen before. And and later in later verses, we see that Noah did according to all that the Lord commanded him. So now Noah responds with obedience. My next idea is this, walking with God will lead you to obey in faith. You see, walking with God not only builds trust, but walking with God, it, it allows you to, to, to obey. It will allow you to, to, it'll lead you to a life of obedience and in faith and, and in reverence to God. The ark that God required Noah to build. See, the ark is a symbol of Noah's faith and obedience. You see, when Noah now looks at the ark, he doesn't just see something he's never seen before. He doesn't just see this ark as something that stands on its own, just something that's never been done before. He also sees this ark as a symbol of faith and obedience. He sees this ark as a symbol of faith and obedience. Friends, when you and I, when you and I say yes to God, when you and I are in a trustworthy relationship with God, that he begins to ask things from us that we've probably never done before or seen before, what what happens is that whatever God requires you to do will become a moment in your life that you'll look back and say that these things that I was obedient to for God, these are now symbols of the faith that I have in God and the obedience 
that I was asked from from my Heavenly Father. Friends, we got to look back on life and say, man, I've got moments that I've done things that my friends said it wasn't a good idea. I've done things, but, but God required it from me. The Holy Spirit convicted me on it. I met with leaders. I met with pastors. I've, I've kind of made this a collective thing, and I feel the Lord is requiring something of me. You see, listen, this pass right here, this passage is actually leading you to a life of obedience and faith in God. Walking with God, not only do you build trust with him, but it actually will lead you to obey in faith. Hebrew chapter Hebrew chapter 11 verse 7 says, "By faith Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, he moved with godly fear. He prepared an ark for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is according to faith." Noah built the ark. He obeyed God. You see, we ought to obey God and leave God with the results. You see, friends, in Western civilization, you and I try to really control every part of our lives. Control the cause, control the effect, control the income, control the outcome. But in this life of following Jesus, friends, you and I have to give the results to God. Obey him and give him the results. Obey him and let him handle the results. It's much like when people offend us. We must give away forgiveness and let vengeance be the Lord's and not ours. Let God get right the things that are wrong. You and I will continue to forgive and continue to move forward and believe the best. Friends, when we obey, we leave the results to God. It's, it's an act of surrender. You see, it's hard to obey and then always want to control the results. But when you and I obey God completely, fully, and we do things he's requiring from us, we're actually leaving the results to him. We're leaving it in his hands. I said, God, you do what only you can do. You fight my battles. You protect my family. You want the best for me. You know my dreams. You know my wants. You know my needs. God, you know my language. You've heard my prayers. You know my life more than anyone else. God, if anyone knows how to bless me, it's you. It's my father. And I will trust you with the results. A question that we can kind of think on this week, and especially in hope groups, is this. Are we obeying God in our lives today? Here's an interesting thought. Obedience is not the same thing as partial obedience. Partial obedience is actually disobedience. You see, what if Noah only built half the ark? Just because, you know, no one's ever built an ark before. No one's ever prepared for a flood before. He's just got instructions from God. He's got dimensions from God. He's got an assignment from God. And what if he, he was obedient halfway friends there's no half obedience the same way there's no such thing as half of a sacrifice jesus did not only sacrifice a part of himself he gave his whole body as the ultimate sacrifice we see in the old testament when the forgiveness of sins was through burnt offerings as we learned in the tabernacle a couple weeks ago they didn't give half an animal they didn't give a part of an animal it, it was actually not even required to bring an injured animal or a sick animal. You've got to bring a healthy one, a whole one, a complete one, a pure, blameless one. A, 
this was what was required for sins to be covered. Jesus appears and he doesn't give half of himself. Yes, and we see in Gethsemane, he prays God, if there's a way you could take this cup away, he pleads with the Lord, but then he walks in obedience and gives a full and complete sacrifice. Friends, if it's not complete, it is disobedience. Partial obedience is disobedience. Imagine Noah talking to God. God, I don't know what I'm doing, so I built half of it. He would have never completed it. He would have never had salvation brought to his family and to his household. You see, the ark is a symbol of not only faith and obedience, but the ark is a symbol of salvation. The ark is a symbol of salvation. Matthew chapter 24, verses 37 to 44, we read this. But as the days of Noah's were, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. This is now, you see, New Testament referencing Old Testament. There's a connection between Noah's story and what's going on in Matthew. When we understand this connection, we understand Matthew a bit better. But as the days of Noah's were, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. Verse 39. And did not know until the flood came and took them all away. So also will the coming of the Son of Man be. Then two men will be in the field and one will be taken and the other left. This is, this is Jesus literally referencing something past to also prophesy for what's coming in the future in the returning of the Son of Man. It says in verse 41, two women will be grinding the mill. One will be taken and the other left. Verse 42, watch therefore for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming, but know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore, you also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Friends, the ark is a symbol of salvation. Jesus is actually mentioning this. He said, hey, I'm gonna return. I'm coming back. And before I come back, the times that are going to be in the world are a lot like the times of Noah. Before the flood, people were drinking, they were eating, they were marrying, they were giving in marriage up until the day that Noah entered the ark. We read here in Matthew. And then he says, just like you don't plan for a thief to come in the night, a thief just come. That's how the return of Jesus will be. No one will expect it. Jesus will return to, 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 to pick us up. To you and I, the church, he'll lift us up. Right there we see in these verses, two will be grinding the mill and one will be taken. Watch, therefore, you do not know the hour the Lord is coming. Friends, this is a call of salvation, a call to be vigilant, a call to say, just like in the times of Noah, you and I have to be ready. We have to be obedient. We can't be relaxed. This, listen, this isn't a moment in our world history to relax. This isn't a moment in our world history, especially as a believer with the conviction of the Holy Spirit. This isn't a moment to chill, to just hold on to the label of being a Christian. We have to walk this thing out. We have to walk out in trust with God, walk out in obedience and in faith. And we'll look back at the things that God has required us to do. And we'll say, wow, you have been faithful. You have saved me. You have given me things and shown me things I have never even seen before. Friends, walking with God 
not only does it remind you of the faith that comes from obedience, but walking with God will lead you to sacrifice. Walking with God will always lead you to sacrifice. Just even in the ministry here at New Birth, usually every season, personally, in my personal spiritual development, I ask this question, God, what do you want me to sacrifice this season? For, for, for God to open a door, I know I have to come with something. I, I can't just, you know, just like we, like we used to say when we gathered in church, we don't come to church to receive. We come to give. We come to bring. We come to bless the name of the Lord. We come to encourage the brothers, and we come to sacrifice and lay down. And in turn, we are blessed. We are lifted up. Friends, when you're walking with Jesus, it would eventually lead you to sacrifice. A great question this week you can ask that the Holy Spirit will lead you to and convict you to is this. Holy Spirit, what are you asking me to sacrifice? What are you asking? What are you actually asking me to lay down? What are you asking me to, to sacrifice? Because I understand through scripture that walking with God will always lead me to sacrifice. It will always lead me to laying something down. We learned that Noah brought two of each animals into the ark, but the Bible teaches us that some of the animals Noah took seven into the ark. These were for food and for sacrifices in their regular worship to God. I love this little detail here is that there were extra animals in the ark that Noah used for food and sacrifices Sacrifices in their regular worship to God. Genesis chapter 7 verses 2 to 3 says this, You shall take with you seven each of every animal, a male and, and his female, to each of animals that are unclean, a male and his female. Also seven of each birds of the air, male and female, to keep the species alive on the face of all the earth. Here's another idea that is true when we walk with God. It's this, walking with God will lead you to worship. That is the truth. Walking with God, I love how sacrifice is always directly attached to worship. You know, the modern worship for us is putting on Apple, uh, Apple Music or putting on Spotify and just hearing something. But, but, but biblical worship is sacrifice. It's, it's focus. It's preparing an altar. It's, it's opening your mouth. It's opening your voice. It's blessing the name of the Lord. It's putting God back on his throne. That's why you and I, we have, we have prayer here at the church all the time. It's happening because that's how we connect with God. We bless him. We worship him. We give him our attention. We give him our focus. We put him back on his throne. Friends, as you and I walk with God, it will always lead us to worship. Always lead us to worship. Noah and his family regularly worship God during their time on the ark. You can imagine God said something was going to happen. Noah's city and town and, 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 and just friends and coworkers, they laughed at him. They, they, they were like, you're, you're a fool. And here he is in the promise that God had for him, in the amazing symbol of salvation, in the amazing symbol of faith and obedience. Even in that ark, they worshiped God. They thanked God. They walked continuously with God. The first thing Noah did after exiting the ark was to build an altar to praise and worship God. Genesis chapter eight, verses 20 to 22. Then Noah built an altar to the Lord and took of every clean animal and of every clean bird 
and offered burnt offerings on the altar, and the Lord smelled a soothing aroma. Then the Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground for man's sake, although the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth, nor will I again destroy every living thing as I have done, while the earth remains seed time and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer, and day and night shall not cease. This is where God makes the promise. This is where you and I, after, after we see the rain, we look up at the beautiful, amazing creation of the God of the universe and we see a, a rainbow every single time you and I, we see the promise to Noah and to the rest of mankind for eternity that God will not repeat that act of judgment in that particular way to worlds to the world and to you and I. And, and God, he, he gives us this promise. He built this altar. Right here, we see Noah building this altar. We see God making a promise. And the Lord says, hey, I, I'm actually going to continue to walk with you. I'm going to continue to walk with you. Friends, week one, we, 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 talked that, we, we talked about that Adam walked with God. Week two, we talked that Enoch walked with God, and today Noah walked with God. Something very interesting, for me at least, just something that just sticks out to me as we've been in this sermon series and what the Holy Spirit's been convicting me on is just this simple idea that God, the God of the universe, Jesus, right? The Jesus that we love and serve and worship, the God of the universe that created all living things, the God of the universe, past past, present, and future, he wants to walk with us. That, that for me, it, it, it blows me away. That God of the, the God of the universe wants to walk with us. You see, so many religions around the world, they focus on, on, on ways to climb to God, on ways to climb the ladder. And if you do this and do this and, and, and do this, then God will love you. But friends, we believe in the full sacrifice offering of Jesus Christ. You see, Noah, he, he gave burnt offerings. He did animal sacrifices. And, 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 and Jesus comes with the New Testament. He comes in and reveals himself with the new covenant that he is the ultimate sacrifice. We no longer have to lay down animals. That Jesus says, my blood, my life, and death, and resurrection is all you need stand up dust off your shoulders i have forgiven you i've given you grace i've given you mercy and i'm calling you to a life you have never seen before but you have to walk with me it's incredible for me that that jesus actually decides to walk with us walk through mountaintops and sometimes crawl with us through the valley Jesus decides to be with us every single moment. The biggest lie you can ever believe is that God is far from you, is that God is not near you, because our, our word says that God is near and close to the brokenhearted, that God is actually coming to redeem the world. We see in the life and ministry of Jesus, he attracted the hurting, he attracted the sick, he attracted the blind, he attracted people with deep, dark pasts and what God did in the life of Jesus through his son he turned their lives around 
he healed physically, spiritually, emotionally. God's design and God's and, and God's desire for you and I is to be whole and healed and healthy. And, and, and here's the thing about Jesus. He walks with us when we go through these trials and we go through the pain. And, and sometimes we go through, through the, the ridicule of the people around us just for being obedient. You can imagine Noah. I'm just being obedient to God. And everyone thinks that, 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 that I'm this or I'm that. And they're talking about me. And they're talking down on my family. And I just don't know what to do. I'm just going to continue to walk with God. How simple is God with inviting us to just walk with him? How simple is God laying it down? This is intimate. You see, to walk with someone, that's an intimate. Have you ever walked in the park with someone? It's intimate. This is passionate. This is personal. This is relational. God doesn't just want to talk to you once a week. He wants this relationship. He wants to build it. He wants to guide you, convict you, lead you, encourage you, motivate you, lift your head, tell you not what the enemy's telling you, which are lies, but remind you of the truth, remind you of his promises that he has something amazing and incredible in store for your life. God wants to walk with me. He wants to walk with me. He wants to take time with me. He, he wants to hear how my day has been. He wants, he wants me to include him in the small decisions, in the big decisions. He wants to be the center of my life. He wants to be the center of my family. He wants to be the center of my home the center of my relationships, the center of my thoughts, the center of my worship, the center of my finances, the center of my calendar, the, the center of my planning for the future. God wants to invade every area of our lives. He wants to walk with us. This is relational. This is personal. And this is something that you and I, friends, sometimes it's hard to believe. Really, I agree with this idea that sometimes the simplest things can be the most complex. That yes, the God of the universe wants to walk with you every single moment of your life. That Jesus came, he died and he resurrected and the Holy Spirit ascended to the earth like a rushing wind that filled the hearts and the spirits of those in the upper room. And from there, the spirit spread, birthed the church, and the spirit is still alive today, walking, leading. Jesus says, hey, I'm sending you the advocate, the counselor, the helper, your ever-present help, my Holy Spirit. Jesus wants to walk with his friends. Maybe you're watching our church online service today, and, and you're saying, you know, hey, I, I don't believe in Jesus. I've never actually started this relationship. I can understand that Christians walk this way, right? They didn't even call themselves Christians. They said they were on their way. They were on the way of Christ. They were walking. They were moving. I hear this message, but, but honestly, you know, I, I can't say I'm a Christian because I don't walk yet. Well, friends, this is your moment. If you do not believe in Jesus, and if, you, if you've never made that decision to walk, this is your moment to dedicate your life to Christ. What I love about this moment is that God knows your heart. 
God sees who you are. God sees where you are right now. He knows the condition of your heart. He knows everything you've been through. And he has love for you. He has grace for you. And his son, Jesus, he still died for you. And he rose again for you so that his resurrection may be your resurrection today. Friends, it says, you know, we read this a couple weeks ago. John chapter 14, verse 6. Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. Friends, if you want to start this relationship with Jesus, if you want to commit to following Jesus and, and commit to having him as your personal Lord and Savior, repeat this prayer after me. Come on, right where you are. If you want to make that decision, right there where you are, just repeat this prayer after me. Dear Jesus, come on, let's say it again. Dear Jesus, I confess that I am a sinner in need of a savior. Today, I've heard your word. I've heard your message. And I humbly accept you as my Lord and as my savior. Jesus, write my name in the book of life. Holy Spirit, come into my heart. Lead me and convict me. God, I thank you for this church. I thank you for this amazing service today. Thank you for allowing me to hear this gospel message and respond with my life. In your name we pray, amen and amen. Church, so many hands were believing in faith are going up and, and, and so many hearts are being turned. We know that the Bible says that just if one soul comes to the Lord, if just one person converts and believes in Jesus, in this thing called the way, the walk as we follow Christ, that there is a celebration. There's a party that goes on in heaven that another son and daughter has come back to the arms of Jesus. Man, thank you so much if you made that decision Right here on this screen, there's a connect number. That number is 407-449-1951. And if you've made the decision to say yes to Jesus, please contact that number below in the screen. Just say, hey, I said yes. We have somebody waiting for you, waiting to contact you and connect you to our church. This is the first step in the rest of your future in this community and in the arms.